Welcome to the Lead Volunteers Podcast. I am your host, Josh Denhart. The Lead Volunteers Podcast exists to help you, the ministry leader, get organized, stop the revolving door of volunteers, and prevent ministry burnout. This podcast is a production of the leadministry.com suite of resources, which includes our flagship course, Lead Volunteers, how to recruit, train, and retain volunteers. Let's jump into the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Lead Volunteers Podcast. Grateful that you're here. I'm excited about today's interview because it's with a friend of mine. Uh, His name is Virgil. He is a senior pastor of a very unique church that's doing some absolutely great things. Uh, he, he, He runs a podcast of his own that I've been on before. So just want to make sure that you know this is a, a, just a, another aspect of the palette of resources that we have at leadministry.com. Grateful that you guys are here, and I want to jump directly into this interview. So, Mr. Virgil, great to see you, buddy. <laughs> I am so pumped, Josh, to be here to share some time with you, Yeah, hopefully share some insights from our experiences here in South Florida at Vertical Church Iglesia Vertical and uh, help add value to everybody out there. You bet. Well, you're, you are a great guy to do all of those things. Now, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. You do have a unique story. Uh, every time I see you online or whatever, I love it. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your unique story. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I am, I am a pastor's kid. Um, origin, I was born here in South Florida, close to the, in the Fort Lauderdale area, a little north of Miami. Uh, my parents are from Colombia, South America. Okay. Uh, so to, I will sometimes tell people, especially Hispanics, I'll tell them that I'm gringombiano because I was born here, gringo yes. in the, for Latin people. Right. But my family is from Colombia. So I kind of have both. And, uh, I grew up, uh, in a home where my, when I was three years old, my parents came to know, had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Their lives were rocked. Our family's trajectory was changed. Uh, and so I grew up in a home where the Bible was open where praise and worship was sounding and where uh, a love for Jesus was evident and active. And I mean, it was part of my life. I know everybody's story is a little different. Yeah. Uh, and, and so with that being said, uh, you know, um, my parents started a Bible study, what, what we wouldn't call now a life group in our church or a small yes. group. And it just kept growing. And uh, my dad didn't want to be a pastor. He was, he was a, a carpenter by trade here in the States. And, um, eventually just couldn't couldn't shake off God's calling and open up the doors to our church which I'm pastoring today but but it started off so, as a so wait, speaking church so so this is the you took over the church that your dad kind of founded that's exactly right well that's that's, exactly right. that's new okay so this is why I always like talking to you because there's always something <laughs> new yeah so my parents started the church as Iglesia Buenas Noticias de Fe, which means good news of faith church. Okay. And uh, it was a Spanish speaking church. This is the church I grew up in. Uh, uh, I was in kids ministry, then I was in youth ministry, and then I eventually graduated high school. Uh, obviously, I became more active in serving, uh, even as a as a youth. Uh, fast forward throughout the years, I eventually became a, my dad's uh, worship leader, worship pastor. Um, alongside, I started a, a music ministry, a Spanish Christian band. We toured the, the, no. the South Hello. America, Central Hello. America. I'm learning all these things. Okay, keep going. We toured uh, Latin America and the States for about 20 years. So I was what? my dad's uh, worship pastor. I was traveling with a music ministry abroad, <laughs> uh, kind of in, leading in many in Spanish. Um, and, then, and then also starting a family and 
got my master's degree in occupational therapy because I didn't know that I was going to be a pastor. Sure. Uh, and and eventually, got you know God's timing, God's movements uh, came to a place where my wife and I were clear on His calling on our lives. Yeah. And after some conversations with my parents um, and some mentors, uh, we realized, wow, I think it's the time's approaching. We eventually. Uh, transitioned into the senior uh, lead pastor position. My parents passed on the torch to me and my wife, and uh, that was February of 2015. And we officially took over. But the difference was, Josh, the vision God put in our heart was a was a two languages, one church, two languages. Okay. Because both my wife and I, we were born here in the states, but yeah. we're both Hispanic and American, American and Hispanic, English and Spanish, Spanish and English. And there's a lot of people like us in our community. And yeah, we right. said, well, maybe God's calling us to do this kind of unique thing, but not one language is better or more important. We're both going to be the same level of excellence. So that's our thing. We're one church, two languages, and we have this vision of being the best bilingual church in the world so we can help other churches who have that same calling. Okay. I've got so many things I want to ask. <laughs> so many things. Okay. I, I don't even know where to begin, but I'm going to start with some easy ones. So, so you play guitar, is that right? Is that, is that what you do for your in the band thing, do you play guitar? Yeah. So in the band, uh, I, I was lead singer and acoustic guitar. So, okay. uh, and I was a song, I was the songwriter, sure. the, the leader of the crew, if you will. And, uh, man, I loved it. I miss it a little bit now. Now I play a pretty mean electric guitar, my friend. <laughs> and like, we got to do this. We got to jam. That's right. That's right. So my, my, my kind of forte, like where I fit on a worship team and I've done it for years and years and years, I'm kind of out of it right now. But my, where I fit is that there's the, is the, you know, the, the special fills in between. It's like, I'm a, I'm a part of the conversation, but I'm not a dominant part of the conversation. Yeah. And so I kind of, you know, I find, I find spaces and it's, I, I consider yeah. it to be less is more Yeah. and I, I don't over communicate. Um, and so I, <laughs> right. I mean, cause music is, I, I think of music whenever I've led worship teams, I think yeah. of, I think of of the different components on stage, we're having a conversation with the crowd and I can't speak over the top of someone. Yeah. And okay. So there's that, um, man, that's fun. I would love to play music like with that. you. Yeah. yeah. We got to do it. That'd be good. That'd be good. So the next question is, do your parents still attend the church? My parents not only still attend the church, we have five services on Sunday. 9 a.m. Spanish, 10.45 English, 12.30 Spanish, 5 p.m. English, 7 p.m. Spanish. My parents come to every service to greet, to bless, to love on people. They're leading multiple life groups. They're like spiritual uh, grandparents. The grandparents, the grandparents, yeah. So they're kind of like the pastor emeritus status. Exactly. And, man, it's crazy how people appreciate that multi-generational level um, and, and we, we were very intentional in being very honoring. I think it's a good word for anybody who's in any kind of transition there, We, we want honor up. We want honor down. We want honor all around. Uh, and we have been intentional in always honoring, uh, the shoulders on which we are standing. Uh, yeah. and then God it has, God was faithful throughout our transition. And, and so, yes, they're both, um, present and active. You would think that as pastors emeritus, they would say, oh, we'll just go in the daytime services a couple. And they're literally, no, they're, literally they're, they're in it. They're in it. Yeah. Front okay. row, leading and loving people. So the other thing, and like, this is all the preview here. We haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet. <laughs> but, but what I'm excited about is, 
is this idea, right, of of like the the baton being passed um, yeah. in in the other thing too is you you mentioned something about your dad which which seemed to almost happen with you that he he didn't want to be a pastor he sure. pursued other things but then like what i tell people when people ask me virgil and i'm sure you've had this brought up to you dozens if not a hundred times people say how do i know when i'm called well <laughs> you know when you're called when you can't do you literally can't do anything but this like i tell people man listen if you can do something different. If you can't, <laughs> if, if you possibly can do something yeah. different, but if yeah. you can't not do anything else, well, you're probably called don't fight it. A hundred percent. And, and ministry is definitely not for the faint of heart. No, uh, I find, I find a lot of times that people that say, I want to be in ministry aren't always called. And a lot of the ones that are saying, ah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Sometimes it's, that that struggle of accepting and receiving what God yeah. is, is calling them to. So so yeah, and, I agree with you. Would you say that that's the same for you when that that you know because you got an occupational therapy degree? Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say a little different in the sense that in the sense that I did always feel God's calling. Sure. Um, to you know a, a calling to ministry maybe different than my dad. Um, I just didn't know when or how. And again, yes. the church that I grew up in was a little smaller, you know, a little, a little, a little, it wasn't the church where young people were growing up saying, Hey, one day I can work at church. Cause the only one on staff was really my dad and maybe, you know, the, the youth and the children's right. Yeah. Um, and so, and so the way our church looks now and, the, and with the growth that we've had, there's young people saying, I want to go to ministry school, you know? And, and yes. so I, I would say, I would say it was a little different in the sense that my dad was like, no, I'm going to stay working and you know, I'm going to do what I can do and I'm going to still preach the gospel. Right. And, uh, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to work where God leads me to work. Mm -hmm. But I know that at one point he's going to call me to something. And so between music ministry and serving under my dad's leadership, you know, uh, eventually I realized, I think, I think he might call me to lead the church in the future. That is huge. Well, I'm very grateful for that. I'm going to, I'm fixing something here. So if you're watching this on, <laughs> on YouTube, so basically, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have a, I have a teleprompter, you know, you do a podcast, right? And so I have a teleprompter right in front of me. Nice. And so then I actually pull up your face to be right in the middle, right? So I can actually look <laughs> you in the eye, right? Um, we'll probably edit Tricks that out. Tricks of the trade. Tricks of the trade. We won't edit that out. Okay. So Virgil, super grateful. Was there, was there anybody who had any issue with you taking over or was there any bumps in the road where people were almost like, like, no, we don't want your dad to leave or, yeah. or was it pretty smooth sailing? And I don't want to get into too much of this, but I, these are all questions that are just, I'm curious yeah. about. Really good question. I'll say this. One of the things that, that my wife and I both really were felt strongly about was let's not do anything without getting some good, wise counsel. And so I reached out to multiple um, pastors and churches that either had similar transitions from a father to a son uh, or we really just respected how how they handled the transition. Yeah. Um, and 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 I and we just asked a lot of questions. Uh, one of those was pastors Tom and Todd Mullins from Christ Fellowship in West Palm Beach, Florida, who are great friends now even more. But uh, Tom Mullins wrote a book called Passing the Leadership Baton, and, okay. and it has a whole illustration of of track and field. You know the the relay races. There's I a like zone. That. Yeah. There's a zone where the baton has to be passed in, and if it's before. 
If it's too soon, it's disqualified. And, and, and if you wait too long, you're disqualified. And, and that illustration really helped that they, that they gave us was, was really helpful in understanding there is an important time. And uh, I find that a lot of pastors wait too long yes. um, for, for multiple reasons, you know, um, and, and for us, by God's grace, Josh, I say, because of the counsel of many, we had a really smooth transition. Now that doesn't mean that there wasn't a few bumps along the road. Doesn't mean that there weren't a few people who were very committed to my dad and not as committed to me, but I would say a high, 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 high percentage, uh, um, because I was already the worship pastor and my dad had me preaching probably okay, one there or two you Sundays go. a month. There you yeah. go. So, so you were a very known quantity. Um, yes. well, okay. I could go on about this. I just think you're cool. <laughs> I just think you're cool. You're a good the dude. Is mutual. Yeah, you're a very cool guy. And so, and you know, you lead the Avail podcast. And so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll make mention of that a little bit later, but it's, it's, sure. a, I'm always, every time we connect, I, I just, I have a lot of fun and I have a lot of respect for you. Okay. Setting all of that in just the longest intro I've ever had, right? <laughs> but you're worth it. Okay. So my question to you is, as it relates to volunteers and as, by the way, how yeah. big is your church now, by the way? So our church on on a on an average Sunday between the five services we probably have a little over a thousand people that are congregating okay. with us. Okay, so that's bigger than when you were growing up. I mean, the church grew yeah. under your leadership and a lot of things like this. Okay, so watch this: five services, a group of a yeah. thousand people. This mm-hmm. you could never hire to meet all of those needs. That's a big never. resounding no kidding. So what do you do? I mean, you have, you, you, have to, you have to build up the body to serve. So tell us kind of your strategy, maybe some fails that you've had. We'll transition yeah. to that at some point, maybe some super successes and unique things. Those are the things I want to talk about. How in the world do you do it? Some fails that you've had and something unique because you are a unique guy and I'm sure that there's something special that you do. Yeah, for sure. Well, let me just, I, I don't think anything I'm going to share Josh is, uh, is going to be rocket science for, you know, or like, I'm not going to blow people's minds away, but I will just speak from a passionate heart. What's, what's been helpful for us. You know, when, when my wife and I took the leadership of the church, one of the first things we said is we know God has more for us, but we know we're not ready for it. And so I think it's important for every pastor, every leader, whether you're a pastor or a ministry leader to understand there's always potential for more and for growth. But God, what God spoke to us, because we were praying for growth for years, but we didn't yeah. see it. And God, what we felt God speak to our hearts is, I'm not going to give you sheep to neglect. Okay, and brother, I love this concept. <laughs> I love this. And I have to interject. There have been times, I speak all around the country, and there was a time I was speaking mm-hmm. to a national audience, big group of people. And I said, okay, I want you to raise your hand if you would love to come to church on Sunday in 16 Brand new volunteers were standing in the wings waiting to serve and every hand went in the air. And I said, okay, only keep your hands in the air if you have job descriptions, large and small. Come on. Right? Only keep your hand in the air if you have a shadowing program. Only keep your Uh hand in the air if you have a gift set analysis in place. Only keep your hand in the air. And every hand went down. And I said, so why in the world do you think that God would give you 16 new volunteers when you could not manage them if you tried? You would be, Mm -hmm. you think that you want that, but you're not prepared. So therefore, start making the gutters on the house (laughs) who are going to bring the water into the buckets so that you can put that on your garden. Yep. Do the work, do the work, brother. I'm sorry. You, like I just had to freak out right there. Cause that's like my yep. mantra. 
A hundred percent. And, and you know, we, you know, why God's not giving us the growth, you know, and God's saying, I love you too much to do that to you. And I love my other children too much to do that to them. That is so, so we good. realized we needed to do some work on our end in leadership, in organizational structure, in systems. Yes. Uh, and that was a big, you know, it, it might not be highly spiritual in nature, but the results are highly spiritual in nature. And so we realize we need to start by really clearly casting vision constantly. Uh, Josh, constantly casting vision. Why do we exist as a church? What are we trying to accomplish? How will it make a difference in people's lives? And then who do we need in order to do this? Because two pastors or even five leaders or 10 can't do it. No. We need the people. And so yes. we're constantly casting vision, constantly. And when we think, when we're blue in the face, casting it and sharing it, we're just getting started. Yes. Uh, and so, so that's huge, casting vision. And then, and then really, and I, and I get this word, you know, one of my mentors, Dr. Sam Chand, I know you know him. Yes, uh, yes, uh, yes. I mean, systems, 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 systems. You need a system. Uh, you need a system. We realized that we were missing some systems, especially when it came to uh, volunteers and, and assimilating people to the church and getting them to those steps of serving. So I would say really to everybody listening, you need a solid system where you're helping people identify that not only, not only does God want you to be saved because he loves you and he wants you to forgive you of your sins and he wants you, and, and you want to go to heaven and, and you want to have that promise and that blessing and that gift. Yeah. But here on earth, there's a purpose to, to live out. There's fulfillment that can come and there's productivity that can happen when you discover that purpose. So we, we, we realized early on, we needed a system, you know, uh, we call it like a lot of churches, a growth track where we help people understand, okay, okay now you're part, now you're part of the church, but you're not just part of the church to consume what the church offers. You, we want you to be a part of this family, a part of this team. And by the way, when you discover your purpose, it brings great fulfillment. We have a phrase, you know, that we use a lot, which is your design reveals your destiny. Ooh, you know, I love the that. way God made you, the way God wired you, it will determine where you're going to be most effective. And there's so many places in the church where people can activate that purpose through their giftings, their talents, their, their passions, man. And it's beautiful to, to see people taking those steps, man. Okay. Everything that you're saying, I love And and yes, I know Sam Chand and, and, and I couldn't agree more. I think, I, okay, I think this, I, I, I need to formulate this in a better way. So I'm just, so it's going to be rather raw coming out. But uh -huh. I think that if you had, the, it, it's kind of like this, the, the right arm and the left arm, you need to have, you need to have the spiritual unction mm -hmm. and the power of the spirit. But behind it all, you have, you cannot have a left arm atrophied. You have to have the strength of systems and those have yeah. to move in concert with one yes. another. That all of a sudden when you're, when like your growth spiritually has to be undergirded by yeah. this, the, some type of a system. And you said it earlier, it's not sexy. It's not, it's not, it, it, yeah. like, it is never, it's likely never gonna be noticed, but its absence will unbelievably be noticed because you'll be an absolute hot mess express train wreck. You can't manage things. Systems, what I gotta say, that's my passion is systems building through lead volunteers, leadministry.com and the whole bit. That's really all that I do is help people build systems, right? Yep. Yep. And I would say, you know, something I've le learned about systems along the journey, um, a lot of times we think we have systems, but there's three essential things for something to be a system. Number one, it has to be written. Yes. There, there, there's got to be, there's got to be a document for 
everything because if I there's no this. document, it doesn't it doesn't exist. Number two, it has to be accessible. Everybody on the team who needs to find it should be able to find it. And number three, we have to have accountability. In other words, if this is what we say we're doing, we need to do what we say we're doing, and we need to help our people understand what they're supposed to do. Okay, written. In other words, documented, accessible, and accountability. These are huge for a system. This, okay, what you just said is is pure gold. Because number one, <laughs> some people would say in their mind, oh, I got a system. No, bro, what you have is a way of doing things in your very right. own mind, and that's it. That's not a system. Mm -hmm. That is your own personal sauce. You have your own yep. personal sauce for doing it. But when it becomes a codified or codified thing on paper, yep. It's we do this first, we do this second. That now has the uh, the ability to be transferable. Now, not only can we be scalable to do to do more and more people doing it, it can be sustainable. But there's no questions about how to do it because then you know Bobby does it one way, Susie does it another way. But nope. but if we have clarity on this is how we do it, and this is how we do it here, which that's a culture issue, right? Which, this is, is, which is totally this good. This is which is yeah. a good thing. Which is a good thing because some people come, you know, if I'm working at Chick-fil-A, but you came from Burger King and you want to bring some Burger King culture over here, it's not going to work because this nope. is how we do things here. That's and right. Just to use a couple names, you know, but, but I think it's important to understand, especially if people are new to the church. Now, it's a beautiful thing when you have some systems and you're helping people discover their purpose yes. because now, now it's, we have clarity. The truth is we need people in every area of ministry, the things that are very visible and on stage, the things that are behind the scenes, the things that are happening on the kids side of things, the things that are outside of the building, things that happen on Sunday, things that happen between Sundays. Yes. And, and, and there's no way we can do all just one. There's no way we can do all this with a handful of leaders. We need an army of people yes. who say, not only do not only am I passionate to make a difference, but I want to intentionally serve God and serve others through what God has placed in me. When you help, when you help, we, we discovered when you help people do that, you're not pulling teeth to get people to do something you want them to do. You're actually empowering people to do something God made them to do. And people, listen, when people are doing something they've been created to do, and if you, and you actually like uncover that this is what they're created to do, this, like you said, it's no longer pulling teeth. They're running to the opportunity because it's <laughs> life giving. It's actually like I got goosebumps and they do too. And all of a sudden you're not yep. trying to twist an arm. It's almost like, hey, don't, don't let me not do this. Like I have to do this now. So it's unleashing the body. Um, but you have yeah. to have a system by which you can systematically get people to know who they are in the body. There's a piece to that. So, yeah. Yeah. You probably have like a, a, a little, a, like a course or a class or a mentorship program for people to discover their gifts. We do. So we call it our, our growth track in Spanish. We call it La Ruta Vertical, which means the, the vertical path, right? And because our church is called Vertical Church. And by, by the way, Speaking, speaking of unique, every Sunday, this class is happening in one room in English and in another room in Spanish. That's a little bit of our uniqueness here, right? Every uh, single Sunday. Languages. Every single Sunday. Yeah, so here, here's what I want to share, right? So back in the day, back, you know, back in the day, I remember talking to my dad, dad, there's got to be a better way. Back in the day, our assimilation class was like, I don't know, 25 classes, 
that was five different courses that happened. I don't know, every so often, and maybe two people <laughs> would finish it every year. We yes. had nobody coming through the pipeline because our system wasn't clear. Right. It wasn't simple. And it was complicated. So here's my, my advice for leaders and pastors who are kind of developing or looking how they can adjust their system for assimilating people into the church and into the serving is it's got to be it's got to be simple. It can't be complicated. Like we don't need people to get a, a, a master's in divinity to, to open the door and greet people on Sunday. You know, we don't need That's, people to have a theological institute, you know, uh, uh, degree and, and, and certificate, you know, to, to help um, um, usher in the auditorium as people are looking for seats. Now, there are some areas of ministry that might need some more requirements, but here's what we did. Here's what we did, Josh. Instead of doing this crazy, we, we at one point we summed it into for a four-step process. Today, we actually have it as a three-step process. Okay, I love that. Where? I love that. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like you know, say it, it'd be as clear as possible. Oh, wow, could we do it in three? I love this. Yeah. And, and we've, made it, we've made it simple. There's no guesswork because guess which Sunday of the month step one is, Josh? Every Sunday. First Sunday for us. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you. So, I, uh, I see where you're yeah, going. Yes. You're getting excited. We're not there yet. We're, we're, we want to get there one day. But for us, first Sunday is step one. Guess which Sunday is step two, Josh? I'm going to go with Sunday number two. Sunday number two. Dos. Numero dos. Yes. And then the third Sunday is step three. And then the fourth Sunday is, is, is kind of our, we call it vertical connect, where we're, now we're connecting people with different leaders from the team. And so what happens is there's no guesswork. Anytime anybody yes. asks, oh, can I, how can I serve? Hey, well, have you done the vertical growth track? Have you, have you gone through our steps? Because once you go through those steps, you could help add value by serving God and serving people in an area connected to your gift. Hey, ministry leader. Now I'm gonna bet that you are not the boss at your church. Now often I struggle to know how to position myself and my ideas. You see, I didn't sit at the decision-making table. Maybe your experience is like mine. However, I found a way to amplify my ideas, to get my voice heard, and to get things done, even if I wasn't present at that big table. Now, I created the course Lead Up to help the 99% of us to strategically position ourselves who aren't the boss. Lead Up in all of our courses are here to help you to get organized, to lead with confidence, and to get your voice heard. Check out the membership today. Go to leadministry.com to learn more. And if you use the promo code podcast, you can get an additional 20% off. Now, let's step back in to our podcast. So yeah, in one of the steps of our growth track, the people go through a spiritual gifts assessment we also have them go through a personality assessment and we'll talk a little bit about passions and we help them to connect dots of, of how they're wired, of how God made them and, and what they're passionate about, gifted for. And we help and we tell them, hey, here's some based on your results, yes. here's some good fits in ministry because we don't want you doing something that we want you to do or need you to do. We want yes. you to do something that God wired you to do because it's going to bring great fulfillment and it's going to be a blessing to our community and people. And we open the door wide because it's not just on certain dates. It's every month. There's a continuous yes. circle of our growth track. Every month people can get connected, whether they've been here for a month or whether they've been here for five years, they can go through the process, go through the journey and then get connected to a team where they can serve and they can shadow. They can kind of understand how the teams work and 
tie into the life of the church. I love this. I love this. So two things. One, if they do uh, month one, but they're gone next week for number two, they mm-hmm. just jump back in for number two the next month. And if they, so yep. they, they just, it's, it's sequential, but it doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be back to back. Consecutive. Doesn't have yes. to be consecutive. That- that this is the beauty of it because A, we're making it simple for people. We're not making it complicated for people. We want the system to be easy, to be clear, to be simple, and to be continuous. So if you missed week two, you can jump in next month for week two, you know, until you complete it. Uh, and this way, people have that continuous option. And by the way, in our church, they can do it in English or they can do it in Spanish. I love because that. Because we are one church languages. Okay, another quick question about this. Did you create from scratch your very own gift set analysis and personality test? Or is this something that you've latched on to something that somebody else has already written? Great question. We have not felt bad about using what's working for other people on our journey, figuring out when we, I think we can do it more our way or Archer. Yes. I've, too many. It hasn't. You have to come up with it. And of course, I think you have to be comfortable with it. And, and, and pastors and leaders should want to feel like we can own this. But we discovered early on that we don't need to reinvent the wheel, especially when we're starting off. I heard, I think, I think I heard Pastor Rick Warren say once, if if my bullet fits your gun, shoot it. I and love we said, that. Amen. Because we don't <laughs> we don't have all the bullets yet. And uh, and and we just leaned into some churches that were doing things a few steps ahead of us. And then Josh, after doing it for a couple of years, we realized, Hey, we can give us our own tweak and our own spin. Yes. So we currently do use existing, uh, um, assessments like the disc assessment to help people understand a little bit, a little bit about their personality and, uh, and a spiritual gifts assessment. But we've been talking recently about beginning to develop some, some unique, you know, ones for our organization, but I, I never shy away from using what's working oh, and helping yeah. other churches. For sure. And the, one of the ones that I have used consistently is Rick Warren's bullet of the shape, S-H-A-P-E. Mm-hmm. That's my absolute go-to on yeah, that. That's right? it. I also leaned heavily into with, with leaders that were growing at a, at a faster clip maybe than others, and they were going to be more in a higher level leadership mm-hmm. role. We would take them through the strength finders. So I don't care what it is because they, yep. all, they all kind of, they all hit on the same thing. But I also like what you're saying because yeah. we did the same. We personalized it. And so we took this, yep. this track, or maybe it's like a recipe. We took a recipe. And we're like, okay, this mm-hmm. is a standard stock recipe. We're going to add a little bit more garlic here because that's our flavor. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And here's something I learned uh, along the journey, Josh, that it might, might help some of the leaders out there. Uh, and it's specifically... Continuous reevaluation. Love that. Continuous reevaluation. You know, we put it into action. Let's say I have a plan. Hey, we're going to do this for the next six months. But as we go, let's reevaluate every year. And and three three questions that help with reevaluation. I learned this from Dr. Sam Chand. When I reevaluate a system or a process or something we're offering, what to start, what to stop, what to sustain. (laughs) There are things that didn't didn't exist before that we need to start, right? As, yeah. as we're looking into a new year or a new season, then there are some, there are some dead horses that we're still sitting on top of. I love that. That we just need to say good night. We need to give them a, a, a graceful funeral. They serve their purpose 
but their yes. time has come. And then what to sustain? What's working that we need to keep doing and keep tweaking and keep working? And, and understand that in every season, there are some things we need to start, some things we need to stop, and some things we need to sustain. Yes, absolutely. And the funny thing is, is every organization has a limited amount of resources. And I think everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, budget. Okay, there's, there's actually three budgets, right? There's your <laughs> financial budget. There's uh-huh. your human resource budget. That's yep. your volunteers. And you have a space budget in terms of where yep. can we physically do things. Okay, now you look at the things that you need to start, the things that you need to stop and the things that you need to sustain. And you go, okay, uh-huh. let, let's actually reallocate resources. And when we stop this, we can throw more fuel onto yep. this thing that needs to be sustained. So I completely agree. I am cutthroat when it comes to ain't working jettison funeral <laughs> quick funeral babe we i have quick funerals you know what i mean <laughs> i think that's good and, and i and i think it's we need to give ourselves permission as leaders to understand uh that's part of the re-evaluation process and and seeing what works and you know i love this journey josh because you we you learn as you go and, yeah. and you realize that something's worked a few years ago they don't work the same today yes um and then and then some things work in that in that culture, in that environment, in that city and state or in that church, but they might not work the same here and that's okay. And sometimes we just need to tweak a few things, but I think part of the journey is having the right people in the seats. And, and for us, Josh, not only is it the volunteers themselves, but it's the right leaders leading those yeah, volunteers. Yeah. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. I've got, I've got so many thoughts because this is like, like, you're the man. You really do. I, I, mean, I would love to come to your church and observe because it just seems like this is working for you guys. Now, one thing that I'm going to throw out there to leaders is this idea of, of starting new things. Often what I've done is I've said, hey, we're going to try this as opposed to making this absolute solidified. Yes. This is the new way because all of a sudden people are like, Okay, and you entrench yourself and, and, and it might go good, it might go bad. So I say, hey, we're going to try this and may fail, may not. We're going to give it a run. And then if it actually has traction, we, we, can, we can maybe maybe like put some deeper tracks, but we try stuff. Yep. We don't start things, if that makes any sense. That's 100%. We, what you just explained was a game changer for us because a lot of leaders are hesitant to make changes or to That's start right. something new. Or because they're like, well, what if it doesn't work? And this leadership strategy is key. It's genius. It's key. Because whenever I've had a few uh, ideas that maybe were like a little shocking to some of our staff team and leaders, what I said to them is said, hey, it's going to be a little shocking to the people of the church as well and to our volunteers. But here's how we're going to communicate it. We're going to try something. We're feeling yes. from the from the Lord this could work, and we're and for example, we're going to do this for six months. And and I think people feel like when you give it a, a specific period of time, yep, it could be helpful. We're going to try this for six months. We're gonna we're gonna evaluate on a monthly basis how it's going, and by six months we should have good have a good idea of hey maybe this isn't working and we need to go back to the drawing board yep. or you know what, this is working really well. Let's make a few tweaks. Let's run with it. But we're giving ourselves an off-ramp. That and is exactly right. And I think exactly people right. feel a That's little bit truth. of security with that. Yes, 100%. You're giving yourself a, a viable out. 
Uh, and that's huge. <laughs> and, and, you know, because as they say, you know, 90% of people dislike change and the other 10% absolutely hate it. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> well, listen, we, this is really, really, really good stuff. I, 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 I want to, I would love to have you back in soon because you like, I think we've literally just scratched the surface of your yeah. wisdom. Truly what you're talking about is just this, this pure wisdom, but like, what's a mistake that you've made? <laughs> he's, he's laughing. Uh, I love this. This is a whole new episode. We got to do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, no, let me, I can think of two. I can think of two. Okay. 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 Uh, number one, one mistake is on the leadership side. Okay. So sometimes there are people who have a lot of giftedness, yeah, a lot of ability, natural talent, but they don't yet have the character Ooh. to sustain. And so as a pastor, I can look back in my eight years since I took over the church I can look at a few moments, and I learned early, and thank the Lord, I'm, I, it's not happening as often now, but sometimes putting people prematurely into leadership roles and positions. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, leadership is, is a great responsibility, especially in the church, um, because we're leading people. That's we're it. You took the words out of my mouth. And, yeah. and when you put a super charismatic, a super gifted, super, super, super talented person who doesn't have their character thing totally dialed in, other people are going to be following that person because they're a natural born leader. Yeah. And that, that group of people who are following that, that, that's, that can be a dangerous thing to the flock. There's so yeah, many reasons can, about this. Yeah. Yeah. It could come back to bite you in the butt as they say, yes, it can. <laughs> because I, the way I heard it recently in, in a, in a conference that I was at, it's kind of like the front stage and the backstage. And most yep. of us pay a lot of attention to the front stage, yep. which is what everybody sees, right? Yep. But, but man, so much of the, of the true effectiveness and power of ministry, it comes from the backstage, which is our relationship with God, which isn't yep. always evident or obvious to all. Yep. Um, and so if your backstage isn't, isn't um, you know, equaling or looking the same as your front stage, you might, we, we can... People can kind of put a front on, oh, they're great, but eventually it catches up. So, so what happens is when that, when that leader that I prematurely put in a position of, in a role of leadership, when, when, when something comes out or comes up that is not favorable as far as character mm -hmm. issues or some kind of uh, situation in their personal life, and now people are looking at you like, oh, well, pastor, you empowered this person, ooh, you know, ooh, ooh. that's hard. That's very hard. It's very hard. And so. I have my own personal antidote for this, but I would love to hear yours. My own personal antidote is time, T-I-M-E time. If I can just elongate the process, because listen, okay, tea bags. You only know what's inside of a tea bag when, until you put it in hot water. So That's just right. like people in their character, you don't know what's inside till you put them in hot water and you're like, okay, now I'm getting to see. So that takes time. It takes time. What do you do? Yeah, well, well, you know, first of all, um, you're you're absolutely right. I think uh, it's a lot it's a lot easier and more favorable to take a little longer in the process of getting to know somebody, yeah. giving giving them opportunities, and empowering them with some leadership without being that lead leader. You know, helping support. Yes. Um, but I'd rather spend more time 
on the front end, vetting them and getting to know them better, especially if they're new to the church. Yep. And then that way, empowering them as we go, as opposed to putting them in that position right away and then having to backpedal, oh, man. you know, and clean up the mess. For sure. Um, and so, and so, you know, I think what you're saying is true. And I, and I think, you know, we don't want to go to either extreme, you know, uh, you know, some pastors yep. <laughs> wait, you know, or, or leaders take too long and, you know, you have to go through these 10 courses and, you know, be here for 13 years and, and then you could start leading this. Right. Yeah. So I think there's a beautiful, there is a balance, medium and balance. Yeah. But, but I think, uh, uh, one of the things that I had on my, kind of my notes, my list here, um, uh, Josh was specific, like, like as far as leaders invest continuously in your leaders and then invest generously and heavily into your key leaders. And by invest yeah. resources, I mean, time, I mean, heart, because those are the people that are going to be able to carry your heart. And- yes. The, 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 the interesting thing is that, and this could be a whole episode in and of itself. Right. But I think of I think of yeah. people, people who come super, super aggressive. They've been there two weeks and they're wanting the keys to the car. That is a huge timeout <laughs> for me. They like, you don't red even, flag. you don't need, that's a red flag. Yes. You don't even know me and you want the keys to the car. I certainly don't know you and I'm not going to put you in the, in the van with my own children quite yet. So let's get to know one another. Um, but that, that could be a whole episode. Uh, but, you know, I, I will say as we transition from this particular topic of making sure we get leaders who've been vetted, the Apostle Paul addresses this multiple times. He says, don't prematurely lay hands on somebody if they're a new believer. Right. And then he also says, for elders, those who have been tested, maybe as deacons or whatever. So you, you, they need to move through some type of the ranks. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, I, I've, I, Okay, so a rule, a rule to me is the is the the thing that I can fall back on. Now there's times where I've I've I bend my own rule because I feel the Lord is leading. That's fine. But my my kind of bottom layer is six months. That I we we yeah. want you, we want to, and here's what I say: we want to serve you. We want you to come in. You, we want you to be served before you seek to start serving others. Let us serve you. Let's let me get to know you. So that's my thoughts. This is good stuff, dude. Yeah. And I, and I would say you're absolutely right. We always, you know, people in a position of saying, Hey, I'm ready to serve before you're leading. Um, we want them to get involved in the life of the church. Cause I believe right. it's, it's very hard to, to lead people if you're not very active and, and, and getting to know people and looking to serve. Uh, so we do, we do the same thing. We, we want to see people, uh, coming consistently to church, we want to see them getting involved in the life of the church, participating first in a life group or a small group, yes. um, and and looking to serve on a team for a season of time. And depending on what areas or roles of leadership we're considering, we might even say, "Hey, we want you to go through this specific curriculum, which is really important to us." Uh, to, you know, and and when we see somebody's heart that says, "Hey, I'll do it. I'm ready and willing to do whatever is needed. I want to serve." That's a good sign for us. There's no when there's any kind of hurrying or rushing or uh, you know I really want to do this. That's a red flag. It's almost like you're thank you for telling me that we need to take our time more with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word, that is such a good word. And I have I have a couple of stories. We should do a podcast on this on on yes. how to okay. Brother, listen, we're going to save your other fail that you had because this is this is absolutely gold. <laughs> and, and I'll do a podcast swap with you any day. So everybody, <laughs> thank you, Virgil. Any closing words for people as we kind of wrap up? This is so good. 
Yeah, no, I, I enjoy talking with you, uh, Josh, because you know when you have a heart for the Lord and a heart for ministry and a heart for connecting people to the ministry, yeah. it really changes things. I think I think there's a click that happens in a person's life from being a consumer of church to being a contributor in church. Exactly. When they transition from being a uh, a, a spectator in worship to being a participant in worship. Uh, there's something that happens in a person in a believer's life, and some first, people, first couple of months of their you know conversion to Christ. For other people, it takes ten years. You know, yeah. I don't know what it is, but if as churches and ministry leaders, we're providing a lot of on ramps, making it simple, making it uncomplicated for people to take steps. Again, it's very different the expectations of somebody who's going to hold the door open and greet people than the person who's going to be teaching, you know, uh, our students in student ministry, you know, yeah. uh, there, there's difficult response. Yeah. There's different responsibilities and weights, but, but let's not m m require the same of this person. That's right. That we need of this person. Let's provide some easy on, on ramps and then disciple people through the journey. Yes. The way, the way that we always, and I always refer to it is there are entry level roles, entry level roles that does not yeah. require very much. Now it does require character, but we can actually nurture somebody and kind of, so yeah, there, there's some entry level roles, yeah. man, we could go, we need to get face to face and record <laughs> 10 of these. No, I don't know. This is, you're the good, you're a good guy. <laughs> well, everybody, uh, thank you I Virgil very that. much. Thank you very much. This has been good. All right. Well, Thanks. gang, this has been just another episode of the lead volunteers podcast. My friend Virgil. Wow. Absolutely great stuff. We could have kept going on. Gang, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, we're I, I can hear everybody in the in the crowd. I can hear everybody in their car, everybody uh, as they're running, they're kind of pumping their fist. Yes, get this Virgil guy back on. So we will definitely do that. Gang, again, thank you so much. Hey, be sure to check out the Avail podcast if you like if you like listening to Virgil as I do. All right, gang, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Well, that wraps up today's podcast. Before we close, would you do us a favor? We need your help to get the word out about the Lead Volunteers podcast. Three simple steps. First, subscribe. Second, leave a comment. And third, share the link to this episode on social media. Thanks again and keep leading your volunteers.